Welcome to the Modern Creative Podcast. Listen in as we connect with other creative entrepreneurs and have real conversations about life, business, and everything in between. Owning a creative business doesn't have to be confusing or overwhelming, and you don't have to go at it alone. It's absolutely possible to be successful as a modern creative, and we want to help you to go after your own creative dreams. Welcome to the Modern Creative Podcast. Today, we have a guest with us to chat all about selling more products through email marketing. By now, you should already know how important email marketing and your newsletter is to your business. This is the number one way that businesses convert their audience members to buyers. So make sure you grab a pen and a notebook. At the end of the episode, we would love to see the notes that you take by posting it on Instagram. Tag us at Modern Creative Podcast, and we will be sure to leave you some love. All right, so let's get started. Like Diana mentioned, we do have a guest with us today, and it is Katie Salmon, who is a self-proclaimed marketing geek, and she spends her days dreaming about how to help business owners sell more stuff. We all need to sell more stuff. She serves her clients through her marketing agency, Katie Does Marketing, where she has helped shop owners turn email marketing into a lucrative sales channel. Welcome, Katie. We are so excited to have you. Hi there. I'm excited to be here. Oh, man, like this... Like Diana said, it is a great topic. It is a juicy topic. Email is how you can connect with your audience. So let's kind of kick off the episode, Katie, by talking about email marketing, like email marketing 101 to get started. So when should someone kind of start their email list? They know that they want to sell products. They're obviously a business and they need to sell and they're just not quite sure when to start the list. Yeah, I say that you should start your email list as soon as you start your business. Um, and so most people, probably the first place they go to, you know, to quick start their marketing is social media, which I think that's a great place. Um, social media really is kind of the handshake and it's how people are going to get their eyeballs on you and, and to meet you. But, you know, lots of marketing experts talk about it and it's true that social media really is kind of a borrowed space. And so, you know, you are subject to algorithms and things like that on social media. Um, and so and more and more business owners are having to pay to get their content seen because social media is for-profit businesses. Email, however, is just a communication form. It is not owned by Mark Zuckerberg or anyone like that. It is just a very democratic platform and you're not subject to algorithms and things like that. And so the most recent stat that I heard is that um, somebody is three times more likely to see your email than your post on Instagram. And so um, I just encourage all of my clients and any business owner that I meet to start collecting email addresses as soon as they start their business. It is a lucrative sales channel. And I just think that, you know, even if you aren't prepared to start sending emails on day one, um, you're just not there yet. I still encourage people to start collecting those addresses so that when you are ready, that you have an audience to send to. Oh, I love that. That's an interesting stat, like three times as many people We'll see your email versus your social media. That that feels freaking true, especially yeah. like today with Instagram. So yeah, I definitely believe that. Even if you have more followers on Instagram, you will notice that your newsletter will get more reads. Like I've noticed that too, especially with the whole algorithm situation, like you said, Katie. So yeah. that's super encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. So how often should someone, you know, email? So it's called email marketing, people. Like that means you're selling through this communication channel. But there's a mix of like selling and giving value. And I'm wondering, Katie, how often should someone email about like their sales or their offering or what's going on in their shop versus emailing just to connect with their audience and give value? 
Sure. Yeah, that's that's a great question, and it's one that um, people bring up a lot because there's this fear, especially when it's a solo-run business. It feels very vulnerable to ask people to buy your stuff, and so there's this fear of being seen as salesy or pushy, and so a lot of business owners are a little timid about about making the pitch, and so. Um, a stat that I like to point people to is that there was this study done on our perceptions of marketing. And so the study basically showed that people find it more acceptable to receive a sales message via email than they do social media. So that makes sense. Like if you open up an email from Old Navy, do you think they're going to, like, what do you expect? Do you expect to be sold to? That's why you opened up the email. You knew it was a product-based business and that they, you know, wanted to share with you something valuable and the valuable thing for Old Navy is their stuff or their sale. Um, and so I would you know, tell my clients and people I meet that you can be probably a lot more salesy than you think um, because we are you know, receptive to that you know, through the email marketing channel. And so I would say, though, you know, an opportunity that a small business owner has compared to an Old Navy is that the small business owner, you know, they have a face to the brand and someone to really you know, an opportunity to connect with a person. And so you can, through email marketing, you know, share helpful things. And so there's two kinds of content you could share. You could share helpful tips as it relates to your product. So for instance, let's say you, you know, sell art prints. You can write an email, something like how to build a gallery wall or how to, you know, seasonally refresh your prints to update your space or like framing tips. All, all those things are related to your product helps people use your product, encourages them to buy it, but it's also helpful. Um, those kinds of emails are also very valuable when set up as automations for post-purchase. So let's say someone buys an art print and then seven days later, they get an email from you that's automated that, that shares with them helpful tips on how to use, enjoy, and love their purchase. Another way that you could go, and I've seen some small business owners do and be successful with it, is share almost like a letter from the maker. So Here's the music I'm listening to in my studio right now. Here's a book that I'm loving. Here's, you know, just the, the things that I'm loving, the things that I'm doing, or here's behind the scenes look into the studio. Those can be fun too. But I would say that it's okay for the majority of your emails to be sales focused, especially if you have kind of a lower price point item. So there's a difference between selling a mattress and an art print. A mattress is an investment. You probably are going to do lots of research on it and kind of hem and haw over it a little bit versus an art print is in most cases almost an impulse buy. So there's not a lot of like serving or convincing that needs to happen. Either you want it or you don't. I just try to encourage people to not be so timid in, in making the pitch and helping someone to buy it. I want to say that I really love when you mentioned um, the automation like the helpful, like someone purchases something from your Etsy shop and then you can set an automation. So seven days later, they get like a helpful tip, right? Um, in your example, I love automations. Katie, you would love my funnels and automations because I have a lot of them. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so I want to um, mention that because I think sometimes there is stress about when should I reach out exactly at what point. And I think if you could set up automations in your business and in your email marketing, it's like set it and forget it. Absolutely. You know, and then like on the back burner, like you could be going about your day and then someone, that person will purchase something again because you set this automation to go out seven days after their, you know, first purchase, like in Katie's example. So that's actually how listeners 
That's one way that you can get passive income. It's through your email marketing and through automating your email marketing. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many opportunities with email automation. It really kind of depends on if you're to get the most out of it, your website needs to be connected to your email service provider. So, you know, without trying to get too techie, but if your website can communicate, Hey, Katie just bought a bracelet, but she didn't buy a necklace. Then you could have an email automation that sends to me 14 days later. That's like, Hey, here's a necklace to go with the bracelet you just bought. Um, and so- actually, yeah, yeah. I actually really like those emails because I do that all the time, you know, cause we have multiple tabs and stuff. So yeah, I love getting those notifications. Right. And there's, you know, some other automations that you can set up are like a welcome sequence, you know, to welcome that is triggered when somebody joins your email list. You could also have a birthday reward going. Um, those are tend to be pretty successful with product based businesses. You could have what's called a win back. So when someone made a purchase from you, but it's been a certain amount of time since that purchase, let's say six months, then you might send them some sort of financial incentive to come back and make another purchase with you. Um, so those are just a few examples of automations that you can get going. And like you said, once you set it, you can almost forget it. You should always go back and review and see if you can do some fine tuning. But that way, something's selling for you all the time without you having to sit down and write a newsletter. Oh, I love it. That's that's how I set up my business. And so um, I encourage all of you who are listening to kind of start looking at automations. But before we get to automations, we need to know like what to say right in those emails. So Katie, do you have any tips on, um, you know, we know that we want our email to be like a sales email. We're going to end it with a kind of pitch, visit my store, get 10% off, whatever, free shipping, whatever it is. But for the chunk of that email, you know, do you have any tips for those that aren't quite sure, like how to form a newsletter or what to actually say, maybe how to storytell and how that can lead into a sales pitch at the end or a sales offer at the end? Sure. Yeah, I would say for most product-based emails, you probably need a lot fewer words than you think. So I'm one of those people that I sign up for all the marketing emails. So I can see, so I get, you know, I have thousands in my, in this certain folder. Um, and I go back and I review them for inspiration. And I encourage you to do that too. Maybe find like your very favorite brands and sign up for their emails and see which ones you liked and which ones you didn't and try to learn from that. And you'll see that more and more product-based emails are typically a lot of photos and a little bit of copy. So you probably need to write a lot less than you think. But kind of my rule of thumb when, when it comes to making a pitch is you want someone to be able to tell very quickly, and I get this from Donald Miller who you know, wrote StoryBrand, what are you selling? How will it make my life better? And where do I get it? And so too often that you know gets lost in the sauce of you know, you're telling some story and it just gets lost and then it, you know, someone's not really going to read your email, they're going to skim it. And that's, that's not something that we should just fight against, they're really just going to skim it. And so we should be able to say, you know, after just a few seconds, we want somebody to be able to understand what he's selling, how is it going to make my life better. And so it's your job as the shop owner to demonstrate some amount of empathy to show how your product connects to their life, and then to show them how to buy it. Here's the button to buy it. Here's a picture of it. Here's how much it costs. And all those things are details that you could include. I think that's important to remember like, hey, you need to share the benefit of your product to the person who is um, reading this email because we're all humans, we're all selfish at some level, and they just want to know how it affects them and how it 
makes their life easier. So keep that in mind. But that's really actually encouraging for those that maybe consider themselves not writers or are kind of, you know, they just don't know where to start. Hey, you don't have to write as much as you think you need to. So thanks for that, Katie. Yeah. You actually totally answered my question because I was going to ask you uh, the difference between email strategy for service providers Mm -hmm. versus product-based businesses. Right. Um, And the last kind of group of people that I wanted to ask you about is email strategy for influencers or bloggers. Mm. Because I think a lot of people, especially bloggers, are like, how much can I copy and paste from this blog post to the email newsletter? Or should they be totally different and things like that? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so you're right. Like the strategy for those for those different kind of verticals are, are really different. So I'm a service provider. So my emails don't have very many pictures and they tend to be more text heavy. Um, and so that makes sense for the kind of business that I have. So for a, you know, for a blogger, an influencer, one thing that, that they could do is, so you want to get people to your website, obviously. So you could, if you have a website that, you know, a blog post where you're sharing your top 10 favorite looks for fall or something like that, you could share three of them in the email and then, you know, as a teaser and to show that, you know, you have good content and then, you know, to see the rest go over to my blog. So that's, that's one strategy. I've also seen people who literally take their entire post and put it in an email because they know people don't want to click through. And so I think that would be a really cool test. And, you know, all you can do is try. And so, so much of email marketing is experimentation. And so I just encourage people to take, you know, this position of curiosity and take an investigative approach to their email marketing. I mean, to not just listen to someone like me or read a blog post and say, this is the way it needs to be. You should try it. So one time, you know, tease the content and send people to your website, look at clicks and engagement, things like that. And then another time, you know, give them the whole enchilada and see what changes or, you know, things like that. Yeah, okay, two I love things. that. <laughs> I want an enchilada for breakfast. <laughs> um, but another thing that I just want to point out that Katie said is key is looking at your data. Don't just blindly try something like Katie said that you've heard on Instagram or email and then just that's it. You need to see how effective it was for you. And you will only know that if you look at your data. So I don't know if you want to set aside time in your calendar every week. This is something I do to look at my data for in particular for emails and for like webinars for me, because that's what my business runs on. But I set aside time every Monday. So put that into your like business to do list, creative person listening to this, look at your data, look at your email marketing, see how it's going so you can tweak. Yeah, absolutely. Would you recommend that also for like headlines of the titles of the emails? Yeah, so like subject lines? Yes. I was like, what are they called? (laughs) Yeah. So um, in most email platforms, you can run what's called an A-B test, um, which will allow you to test two different subject lines at once. Um, And so you could say, hmm, I wonder if an emoji, if using an emoji in the subject line will get more opens. Well, you can conduct an A-B test and where some of the people in your audience will get an email that doesn't have an emoji in the subject line and another group will. And then you'll be able to see at the end of the test which group had a better open rate or if there was no difference at all. Um, and so I, you know, say as, as much as possible, every, you know, always be testing. So, you know, try to think of what can I test with every, you know, email that I send. What would be an interesting test too, because you mentioned A-B testing, is even testing your offers. 
So maybe half of your email list gets, um, you know, free shipping and the other half gets like 10%. And you may be able to see what your audience is more into or what resonated more or, or anything like that. You might even be able to test pricing of something too. So those are just things to keep in mind. Yeah, those are, those are great tips. Other things that you can test is you can test, you know, something as small as the button color, like what color button got more clicks um, or it doesn't matter. Um, you can, you know, test on, at least in MailChimp, you can test uh, the time of day that something is sent. So is somebody going to open up an email or they're more likely to open up an email at 8 p.m. or 8 a.m.? And so you can test those sorts of things to learn about your, you know, specific audience and their preferences. Yeah, I love what you just said, even about the the button color, because for me, I'm an illustrator and I have, I mean, my, my business is so visually focused, you know, mm-hmm. and I think my audience likes that. Like they want to consume the visual content. And I was going over a newsletter that I've put together and I wanted my manager to review it before I sent it out. And one thing that she mentioned, she's like, oh, like, actually, you don't have any spelling or grammar mistakes, which is like, oh, my gosh, that never happens. <laughs> but the one thing that I would change is the link color because my link color was like a bright orange color. And she's like, oh, that reminds me of the times when I would, you know, turn in a test and then my teacher would like proofread it and mark it in like a red, you know, pen or whatever. And it just makes me feel like, ooh, like something is wrong instead of like, oh, I want to click that link. So I think visual is such a good and important thing that people maybe skim over because they're so focused on the content, which is great, but it's also a part of the whole feel, especially if you are a visual, you know, if that's an important component of your brand. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes back to just remembering that people are skimming your emails and that's okay. Mm. And so we want to create, you know, a visual experience as well that, that helps them do that. And you can do mm-hmm. that through bolding certain sentences, paying attention to font size and, you know, using italics or different formatting that, that helps somebody skim and get the main point. And that goes along too with even the colors that you choose with your links and buttons. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's like my love language. Joyce's love language is like the organization and the, the, the checking off things. And I'm like no, the colors and the, <laughs> the font sizes. Like no, I, it's the AB, I, t- it's the AB testing and the funnels and automation. Yeah. That's me. That's right? yeah. Well, the data. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But I love that. And okay. On the real though, what is AB testing? <laughs> what does that stand for? Yeah, so it, it's not an acronym. It just means you send essentially that oh, you like send a, yes, B. you send two Got versions it. of something, version A and version B to your audience or to a small group of your audience to see which one performs the best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you gave that tip about trying it out and testing it out, that was really freeing for me because I think a lot of people, you know, hear all these advice and like, oh my gosh, I have to do it like this and I have to do it like this and and I think when I heard you say like, oh, just test it out and see what your audience likes, see what you like and see what works for you. Right. I felt like it was super freeing. So that's awesome. But I did have a question that kind of, I guess it's more like based on your experience, what would you recommend kind of question? Mm-hmm. And I know this also has variables and stuff. But in terms of brand voice, we all have, you know, multiple channels. I'm sure people have Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, newsletter, all the things. And that can be overwhelming in itself. So I know we're mostly focusing on email newsletter, uh, but so in terms of the different channels and the the voice that you want to have, would you recommend kind of having a similar tone or like Instagram would be more personal and email being more salesy? Kind of like, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I I think that you should, you know, have a consistent tone throughout. So you want, it's called 
omni-channel marketing. So like where you would want to have, you know, a similar messaging and voice and presence across your channels. And so if your brand's voice is very casual and friendly, you can carry that into your sales messages. So your sales messaging should be casual and friendly. So a great example of this is the brand uh, Bando. And so they're even just going onto the website and reading their product descriptions. They are hilarious. They're cheeky. And so are their marketing emails. And because that is their, you know, their brand voice. And so they can still sell using that voice. And so I would say, you know, yes, it's so important to have a consistent voice across all of those channels. Um, and whatever that means to sound like you. I have, you know, some clients who being kind of casual and, and maybe funny is, does not work for them. That's not, that's not their brand style. And so it needs to be a little bit more buttoned up. And that's okay. If that's you, that is fine. But another tip is I would recommend, you know, especially if your brand is you and you are a solo entrepreneur and you are the face of your brand, you definitely want all your communications to sound like you. And so one way you can do that is by making sure before you hit send on an email that you read it aloud. And it sounds like something that you would say, like, are you trying to sound too formal by you know, not using contractions, like you can use contractions, you can start a sentence with the word but or and like it's there are no rules, it should sound like you. So yes. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> it's just so simple, but so freeing at the same time. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of strategy, I know a lot of people use email marketing as a sales strategy. So how does one start with that? Like, how do you put together a sales strategy? How do you tie in your free content to your strategy and stuff like that? Sure. Yeah. So most of the time, your free content is what's going to come first. Um, so you start with that and then you, you would probably create some sort of automation based off of your free content. And then you would have a sales pitch at the end as it relates to your free content. But for the most part, when you are, you know, trying to just let's, it's September and you need to sell something. Uh, the thing that I always start with is asking myself, okay, what is my customer thinking about today on September, whatever, or whatever month it is, whatever day it is. And, you know, even trying to forecast that a month or two out. So on the third week of October, what's going on in my customer's life? And that could even be something like, the bachelor premieres. If that's, if that's something that your customer is going to be engaging with, then you should mark that down on a calendar. And so, you know, it could be something cultural. It could be something social. It could be something sports related. Or if you are a local business, it could be that school starting or your farmer's market opens. All those things are important to mark down and, and to know and to understand and develop a set, you know, some empathy for these are the things that my customer is thinking about today. And so then your job as a business owner is to say, okay, well, given this, how can I create some sort of promotion or focus or angle that connects my product to what's already going on in her life? So for instance, I live in Athens, Georgia, which is where the University of Georgia is. It's a big football town. And so some of my clients are local. And so we would say, okay, people are thinking about football right now and our colors are red and black. And so maybe that means having a sale or you know, an email promo on all things that are red and black. Um, so those are, you know, just some examples of that obviously only works because in my town, because that's what the people in my town are thinking about. And so what's, what your customers are thinking about is going to be totally different. Um, so I would just, you know, encourage you to sit down and think critically, what are the things going on in the world and in my city and where my customers are living? And what are the things that they are thinking about? Well, I have a question for you, Katie. What if mm -hmm. someone doesn't 
know this about their clients um, or their potential customers? What are some things they can do to figure it out? Yeah. So if you have your own website, you can, you know, install Google Analytics just to get a little bit of basic information on, you know, where your customers are coming from. I'm not sure if that's available to you on Etsy or not. Um, I haven't run an Etsy shop, but um, just some basic demographic information on like what cities are coming from. If you are, you know, selling online and technically anyone with a computer is your, you know, could buy from you. And so that, that could be a good place to start. Um, but honestly, a lot of that can probably come from developing relationships with your customers on social media. So as you share some more personal content on social media, like you know what you're doing or what you're interested in, or um, you know, like here are the books that I'm reading right now, things like that, your customers might respond and be like, "Oh my gosh, I love that too." Or if you're like, "Hey, watching The Bachelor tonight," and they're like, "Same," then you know, okay, that's something that my audience members are interested in. So I think you build it that way um, by, you know, creating some actual relationships on social media to learn a little bit more about what they're thinking about. And some of it is you can just make best guesses just looking at the calendar. Like it's Cinco de Mayo. So they're probably thinking about chips and margaritas today, or it's about to be back to school time, something like that. So some of that can also just be best guesses given like kind of what the global or national calendar is. I'm always thinking about chips and margaritas. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. It's all about human connection, really. It's about creating a sales strategy, but with human connections kind of like sprinkled throughout, whether that's a holiday that we're all celebrating together, whether that is a food that we love to consume, you know, like wine or chips and salsa or whatever that may be. So I think that's kind of cool that you're like humanizing the sales experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why people love to eat together, right? Because we all love food and we all need to eat. And you can like the two most different people can sit down on a table together. There's a good meal and you connect in that way. So I feel like email marketing by inserting some of those things that you can also do that digitally, which is awesome. So I love that. So with that said, is there such a thing as too much selling? Like what is your percentage or just like advice on like how how much of this, like let's say a new newsletter series has like, I don't know, 50 emails. That's a lot. (laughs) Let's just say like out of that, is there, you know, times where we should take breaks or should that be all selling? What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. So I would say it depends a little bit. So if if you're a service provider listening to this, it's going to be different than the advice that I would give to a product based business owner. So for a product-based business owner, I think it's fine to keep the, you know, serving aspect of your email marketing program to 10 to 20%. And there's a way that you can even make serving a soft sell. So like at Christmas time, you're going to see lots of brands sending out gift guides. Um, And so that's an effort to be helpful, but it's also a soft sell because what's in their gift guide? The stuff that they sell. And so they are trying to help you with the problem of, I have a lot of people to buy gifts for and I don't know what to get them. So they're being helpful while also selling. So that's kind of the approach I would take for a product-based business versus a service-based business owner. It would almost be flipped. Um, you would want to spend a lot of your time building trust um, and serving and helping and then uh, you know, making the smaller part of your email program you know, the pitch or the sell. Got it. Okay, cool. 
So thank you so much, Katie. You have my brain going. I was like jotting down notes and things that I want to check in my email automations. But the things that I would love people to take away are that, you know, social media is the handshake, but you can definitely deepen that relationship via email. Um, I hope that you're always testing things and email is really just a tool for you to like humanize the sales experience. So keep those things in mind. And we would love to hear what your biggest takeaways were. So let us know on Instagram. But Katie, how can people find you if they want to connect with you more? They want, they have more email marketing questions. They want to sign up for some Katie Does Marketing in their life. Yeah, so you can find me at katiedoesmarketing.com. Um, there, that's where you know you can find out information about my um, marketing agency. I also have a business called The Shop Pop. And so you can find us there at theshoppop.com. And that is a website a resource center with lots of templates and classes and things to help the DIY marketer do their marketing. And you can find us on Instagram at the shop pop. That's freaking cute. I'm just going to say that. I was thinking that too. I was like, oh my God, that is so cute. I don't know why. I love it. So we'll have all of that in the show notes. Be sure to connect with Katie if you have more questions about email marketing and we will catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. 